Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. From a very good friend, a woman of God. I know, I know she's, I know she's had words many times before. She, she'll, she'll, uh, she'll, she'll text, she'll tell us. You know, after after I, I preach a Sunday sermon, she'll she'll say that was the word that God was working on me. And I was like, well, you're going to have to find another one. So she, she's got one this morning and and she's going to bring the word. I'm, I'm going to ask that we just be attentive to the word of God. Always, always, um, you know, we, we don't take the pulpit lightly and who takes the pulpit. And so I, I trust that she is she's going to deliver a word directly from the heart of the Holy Spirit. So help me welcome Sister Claudia this morning as she brings as she brings the word. Amen. How are we doing this morning? Are you all excited? I'm excited. It's like Pastor said, it's always a joy, a privilege, an honor to be in the house of God. Amen. And I just want to give it up for our pastors. They bring a word every week. So they're going to tell me months in advance before I got to get up here and get a word, right? But they do this every week. So let's give it up for them because (laughs) we know they have to be in it daily, right? And they have to be uh, with their ears inclined to the Lord so that they're sure that what they heard is what God wants us to receive. Amen? All right. Um, that wasn't in my notes. <laughs> um, but I also want to say um, that I am so proud of Pastor Melissa and I know she's probably like, this is awkward. Um, but every time she gets up here, I'm always texting her and I'm like, bro, that's like a mini sermon every time you get up there. I'm like looking forward to those messages. How many of us want to see Pastor Melissa do a preaching in this place? Come on, come on. <laughs> Coming soon, right? <laughs> And I also thank God for my parents that are here. They surprised me this morning. So, (laughs) so excited to have them here with us. Anyways, um, so we're going to get into the word this morning. And I just want to ask that you guys stand. Um, Pastor said it. I'm always texting them like, you know, God was speaking to me with that word. Um, And so when he asked me, I was really hoping and praying that God would not um, reveal this message to Pastor Ryan before I gave my message. And so he got up here last Sunday and said, Matthew. And I felt like we were playing bingo. You know, I was like, oh no, it better not be mine. (laughs) It wasn't, but it was, um, kind of in line. So if you weren't here last week, you're going to go back and listen to that on the podcast, um, or watch it on YouTube. Um, but let's just say this part two. Uh, to the preaching from last week. Um, so Matthew 19, 16 through 22, and I'm reading the uh, NLT version. Matthew 19, 16 through 22. I'll give you a second. And when you got it, you can say amen. All right. Y'all are fast. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. 
But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones, the man asked. And Jesus replied, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Let's pray this morning. Father, we come before you this morning giving you thanks for the word that you have spoken to me. I pray it blesses your people as it has blessed me. Let it marinate in our hearts and help us to put your word into action. I pray you bring conviction to us and let us be changed and transformed by the power of your word and of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You may take your seat. And before I get into it, I just want to say, um, you know how we do. We always need these confirmation moments, right? Uh, and so we were in the back. We were praying with the prayer team, and I heard little, little uh, hints of the message. I heard some, some words. So if I know, I know, prayer team is going to be with their with their antennas up this morning because um, they were saying words like refine and grasp. Um, and I was like, those are all in my notes. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, we were up here worshiping and, um, pastor D and Leah, they were all in the same. So I know God has a word for us this morning. Um, and like pastor said, we don't take this lightly. Um, we stand up here with, uh, fear, uh, and trembling, um, we never just want to get up here and just give you a word, right? We want to be a word that transforms and changes our hearts. So today's scripture may be familiar to you, but like I said, it's a word that God placed on my heart for a while, and I'm really excited to share it with you. I've entitled today's message, It Ain't Pretty, When God Shows You the Ugly. And how many of us can admit that we got some ugly? Come on, raise your hand. I, I need to see all the hands raised, right? Because if you ain't got your hand raised, something's some wrong. <laughs> you in the wrong place today. <laughs> um, but the word of God says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? So that definitely tells me that we all got some ugly. None of us are perfect. And that's exactly what I want to talk about today. And before we continue, I want to make you aware of what I hope to convey in today's message. Um, again, if you're just making some notes, um, these are some of the things that I hope you will capture, right? Some parallels between the work of the Holy Spirit now and the work of Jesus while he was on the earth. He spoke truth, confronted, revealed the difficult. He brought conviction. Amen. And I also want you to see the parallels between the Pharisees and the rich young man in this story and the people of God today. So we read in the scripture, the young man asked Jesus, what good must I do to have eternal life? I think about this young man and I think, 
How bold was he to even, one, approach Jesus and ask him this question? And also, did he not know he was opening a can of worms? I mean, was he testing Jesus? Did he not realize who he was? He surely wasn't a false prophet. He wasn't. He was going to give it to you straight. He wasn't going to beat around the bush, right? Did he think he would not confront him? Or was he expecting Jesus to tell him what he wanted to hear? That sounds familiar. Not here though, right? Out there. This was one of those situations where you better be sure before you open your mouth. (laughs) You know those questions. You know what I'm talking about. You don't want to even ask unless you're ready to hear the absolute truth. Has that happened to you? You want to ask a question, but you're like, should I? No, maybe I shouldn't. Should I? Maybe not. Oh, let me, let me ask. And then you start, and then the other person's like, what? Because you pause. Right? You know what I'm talking about because I hear those laughters. And then whenever you don't want to finish what you were going to say, the other person's like, what were you going to say? What were you going to say? No, never mind. Never mind. I don't, I don't want to start that conversation. Right? Let's not go there. This was one of those. How many of us know that when we ask, the Holy Spirit will reveal? So if we're going to ask, we better be ready to hear what he will say. If you ask, you will receive. That's what the word of God says, right? Be ready for the Holy Spirit to tell you what you don't want to hear. Just like Jesus told the young rich man what he didn't want to hear when he asked. He showed him what? the issues that he still had. Jesus confronted the young man. And the Holy Spirit still confronts and challenges us today. When you come to Numa Church, don't come expecting a tickling of the ear. Like it says in 2 Timothy, you're going to get sound and wholesome teaching here, the full gospel, not the watered-down version. There's so much of that going on right now, right? It breaks my heart. We've talked about it. There's people that are receiving a truth that is not truth. It's being given out to people as if it were the truth, but it is not the word of God. We got to be careful. Those are the days that we're living in right now, right? So the young man asked about what good deed must I do? And I can just imagine Jesus. What did he say? He said, first of all, let me just stop you right there. Why are you asking me about good? Don't ask me about good because you surely ain't good. That's me paraphrasing, right? That's my version. But what did he say? 
in verse 17. He said, why ask about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good, and that is our Father. You knew that, right? We ain't good. So if we ain't good, then what can I do? Well, nothing. He was saying, your goods, your, your good deeds won't gain you eternal life. He was trying to hide behind good deeds he could do in his own strength. And there's nothing we can do apart from God that's good to gain eternal life. He had it all wrong. But being rich, I can imagine that he was used to depending on his money to obtain things. He was used to making transactions. But this was not that. He needed to trust Jesus. We need to trust in him. Matthew 5, 3, and I tried not to give you a tour of the Bible this morning, so I try to keep the scriptures to a minimum. Um, so you may have some homework to do when you leave. If you take a notes, Matthew 5, 3 says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So because of their condition, their poverty, their nothingness, they were able to fully trust in God, and this made them blessed. Unlike the rich who had what? He had his wealth to depend on. That's why the word says in Matthew 19, 23, it is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Let us not be like the rich man who depends on our own strength to live and serve God, but that we humble ourselves, admit our need for God, and trust in him. How often is it the same for us? And I'm taking you somewhere as a journey, so bear with me. How often is it the same for us? We long to show God just how much we love him. We come to church weekly. We pray. We read the word. We volunteer of our time. We serve in the ministry. Some of us serve in more than one ministry, right? Maybe you're a generous giver. Or maybe you think that just because you come to church, that is enough. I go to church. I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't steal. I'm good. And I'm here to tell you, it's good that you come. <laughs> and I believe that God is working in you as you come. But simply coming to church is not enough. Don't mistake your good with what you do for God. There is nothing we can do in our own strength that will ever be enough. Because on our own, he said it, we are not good. It's not me. It's you. Rich young man, it's God. I don't know how many times, and this again ain't on my notes. I don't know how many times I've gotten up here in my own strength. Have you seen the difference? Not for my glory, but have you seen the worship, the worship team up here? Can you tell? There's a difference there's a difference when we say, God, it's you. There's no word that can come out of my mouth that can change anybody in this place. It's all him. 
It's all him. And there's a difference in how we minister when we worship, when we submit to God and say, Holy Spirit, you take it. It's not me. It's you. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. If you're taking notes again, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. The good things he planned for us long ago. God through me. If salvation was obtained through good deeds, it would be because of what we do, because of me and because of you and not because of our faith in God. What would we need God for? And the commentary, I love the commentary in my Bible. It says, good works are the result, not the cause of salvation. We're not saved by our works. God's spirit working through a transformed heart produces a good heart. I'm going to say that again. God's spirit working through a transformed heart produces a good heart. Again, the young man was depending on himself, not on God. And when we don't trust and depend on God, but depend on ourselves and trust in ourselves, we might think we're good, but we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to transform us, to produce the good in us. How will we ever be good without the shining light of the Holy Spirit? And how will he shine the light on a heart that is not fully surrendered to him? To allow him to do as he pleases in our lives to continue to make us better and more like him. This reminds me of a few years back, a Facebook post that I had made. I was washing my car and I was noticing that the sun beaming on it did me a favor. What I thought was clean showed to be untrue. There were spots that were still dirty just like what the Holy Spirit does with us. And I would have been standing there all day, right? Because that thing was never going to get clean. Just like us, his glorious light shows us we are dirty and unclean in spots where we think we might be clean. It's a never-ending process, but that is his love for us. He loves us so much that he doesn't get tired, he cleanses us repeatedly. He's not done with us yet, but we must submit, be sincere about our condition, and give him access to every part of us. Pastor said it right before I got up here. It starts with us. And that's why I truly believe in my heart that God gave me this word, not just for myself, but for his people. Because we won't ever be able to get out there if we're not first. If we're not first. Because they have to see the difference in you and me. Hallelujah.
So what can we do? What does he want from us? We go back to verse 17, and Jesus tells the young man, well, ask me about what is good. Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. But to answer your question, <laughs> if you want to receive eternal life, do what? Keep the commandments. So one, God requires obedience. And what can we do? We can obey. Which ones, the man asked. And Jesus replied, you must not murder, commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, honor your father, your mother, love your neighbor as yourself. God has a sense of humor, right? Jesus knew what he was doing. If you examine the scriptures and then you go back to the commandments, this is the last six of the Ten Commandments, which have to do with human relationships. He could have started with the first ones, but he didn't do that. He was saving the best for last. The best, the most difficult, right? So he was asking, how are you with people? How do you treat them? A ver, let's start with the easy ones, right? Obedience, how easy is it? Well, to this young man, so far, it seemed like this is great, Jesus. I'm not killing anyone, sleeping around, taking what's not mine, talking mess about anyone. I follow all of that. What else? <laughs> and what happened next was heartbreaking, right? I've obeyed all these commandments, a young man replied. What else must I do? He said, if you want to be perfect... What a word. Who wants to be perfect? <laughs> Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Again, you better be sure what you're asking. Because <laughs> you're going to get an answer you may or may not want to hear, right? Matthew 5, 43 through five and 47 through four. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. <laughs> and again, the commentary, I lo loved it. I had to include it. It says, perfection has love at its core. And guess what? We can show our love through true obedience. So, I obey you, Jesus. And what did he say? Oh, really? <laughs> he wants us to be different, not like everyone else. I know here it says, love your neighbor, um, uh, love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you. But it's not just that. And we're going to get into it as I continue on. But it's not just that. I want to read another example of where he's asking us, to be different and not like everyone else. 
in Matthew 5, you ain't got to go far, we still, Matthew 5, 17 through 20, it says, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth until heaven and earth disappear. Not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What do you say? Your righteousness is better than. He said the Pharisees. Who were the Pharisees? They knew the word of God in detail. In detail. Don't come at them if you don't know what you're talking about. They consecrated their life to knowing it. They prayed. They fasted often. They were a God-fearing and law-abiding people. Jesus often came into conflict with the Pharisees, accusing them of hypocrisy and of elevating human rules over God's righteous standards. That's what they were concerned with. Rules, not God's righteous standards. I was out of town um, for work this week. Was it this week? <laughs> My days are all messed up. Um, this week, and as I continued studying, like I said, God had given me this word. Um, I came across um, where it says, your righteousness is better than in Matthew five seventeen, which we just read. And I looked it up. The commentary says, surpassing righteousness. I couldn't get that out of my head. My Bible calls it a new kind of righteousness taught and made possible by Jesus. Just as Jesus is greater than, so must we follow his example and be greater than the teachers of the religious law, the Pharisees. And last week, I gave a short word to our worship team on the scripture found in Mark 1. Again, you can look it up on your own time. It's where Jesus healed and delivered the man with an unclean spirit. The word says that the people were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Different, right? Different. We can all know all the Bible we want, just like the scribes or the Pharisees, but the word says in James 2 that even the demons believe and shudder. What good is it if we cannot fully obey, if we can recite it from, from memory, but we cannot live it? I don't want to be a Pharisee. Matthew 15, 8 through 9 says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. And Jesus said, don't be like the Pharisees. Matthew 23, 1 through 27. Again, I'm not going to read it. It's, I'm skipping through because, um, again, you can go back and read it in your own time. Um, but we'll start at the top. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you. But don't follow their example. <laughs> 
for they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Verse 5, everything they do is for show. On their arms they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside and they wear rows with extra long tassels. They love to sit at the head table at banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplace and to be called rabbi. 11, the greatest among you must be a servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. 23, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. 25, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees hypocrites for you are like white whitewashed tombs beautiful on the outside but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity outwardly you look like a righteous people but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Lord, have mercy on us. Jesus had an issue with the Pharisees. They showed to be righteous on the outside, but their actions proved different. We can show what we want outwardly, but God knows the heart. This is what he meant by surpassing righteousness. Don't be like everyone else. Don't just love those who love you. What good is that? Where is the true obedience in that? We see it before Samuel anointed David as king. He said, you look on the outside, but I look at the heart. Don't look at the other sons, for I have rejected them. They may look pretty on the outside, but I see beyond that. God says, let me show you beyond what the eye can see. Numa, we can come. We can put on a show. But God says, I see you. I see you. I see you when nobody's around. I see you. I see you. He wants holiness. He wants holiness. He wants a heart that's submitted to him. He wants a heart that says, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Do with me as you please, my God. Make me different. Give me that surpassing righteousness. Matthew 5, 27 through 8. You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart again. What you can't see, he sees it. He sees it. That was the Pharisee. I'm not committing adultery. Oh, really? 
Lord, have mercy on us. Let us be a church who isn't moved by the outwardly good worship, good teaching, but no action. Great church attendance, but no sincerity in our desire to know you, love you, and be confronted and challenged by you in every area. Jesus was the ultimate example. He was the better than. He was true. Jesus was legit. He didn't just talk the talk. He walked it. Number two, God requires sincerity. Face God with honesty, truth, and sincerity. He already knows it anyway, just like he knew about the rich young man. Perfect in the Greek is teleos, complete, mature, something that lacks nothing and has come to complete maturity in a particular area. Can we say we're all lacking something? (laughs) The young man lacked, just as the Pharisees. The young man had riches. The Pharisees had the law. That wasn't enough. Jesus knew that this young man did not, in fact, truly obey his command since one of the commands given in Exodus 20, verse 3, you must, have, you must not have any other God but me. This was the first of the Ten Commandments. Again, he didn't start with that one. And that had to do with the person's relationship to God. So check, the young man was good with people, he says. And so Jesus confronts him with the heart check, okay? Let's see how truthful you're being in saying that you follow my commands. Had he truly followed the commandments, he may have struggled to sell everything he had and follow Jesus and did it anyway. The Bible, however, says that he went away sad. He could not do it because the love he had for his possessions was greater than the love for God. Again, he was not perfect because perfection has what? Love at its core. And he did not love God. Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And pastor brought it up in last week's preaching. I promise I didn't cheat because I had this word, word way before then. <laughs> Again, Just God speaking to his people. He was enslaved to money. It took first place. And I'm not saying that's what your problem is today, but it could be something else, right? That is why he wanted to know what he could do to gain eternity, right? The young man wanted to know what he could do to gain eternity. He could not trust anything or anyone else but himself and his money. He did not truly know or love God or he would have willingly submitted to him no matter the cost. Thank you. Amy's struggling up here. Jesus pulled back the layers and uncovered the ugly in this man. Let's see. Why don't you look here? Do you truly follow all my commands? Was he good? Was he obedient? Could he sacrifice it all? He revealed that he could not fully trust in God nor truly love him because he could not give it all. Three, you can have keys up here. God requires sacrifice. 
God is a jealous God, and he doesn't want a little bit of you. He wants you to give him everything, all of you, every part of you, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Exodus 20, verse 5 says, For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. There's a lot of examples of sacrifice in the word, right? Abraham was obedient and sincere. He trusted God to provide and was willing to sacrifice his son. He let God have it all. Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice, an example of obedience and sacrifice. He prayed, I want your will to be done, not mine. He gave up his whole life, his whole self. John 10, 18 says, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. His decision to die was freely given in obedience and intimate relationship with his father. Out of love for you and me, right? A few months ago, I had been feeling that God was up to something. My spirit was restless and longing for more of him. I'd been feeling that we need to do more. Bring the lost to church and quit coming to church and getting fat. I remember being at our Spanish service and it was late. But the Holy Spirit was up to something. I experienced the Holy Spirit in a special way, just like when I was 12 years old, baptizing the Holy Spirit. I remember being in the services at that age and not wanting to leave, being filled with the Holy Spirit. After that service, that service, you know what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit began showing me some issues I didn't want to face. But after having such a wonderful encounter with the Holy Spirit, it was time. He was peeling back my layers and revealing the ugly in me. (laughs) We must face the ugly we didn't know we had or maybe have neglected to face. The giants that seem impossible to take down. Again, in my reading, I saw that when the Israelite army found out about Goliath, you know, that Philistine giant, they ran away from him. Did you know that? The Israelite Israelite army knew he was coming and they ran away from him. But the Bible says in 1 Samuel 17, 48, that David quickly ran out to meet him. Man, that stuck out for me. I said, Lord, give me the courage of David. That when the Holy Spirit shows us a giant that we're dealing with, we can run quickly to fight against it instead of away from it. Having such a beautiful experience would not allow me to continue the same. And I know that God wants to do the same with each and every one of us. There are things that he's uncovered and we know it's not pretty. But to move forward, we need to acknowledge the issues, the family drama, our pride, 
jealousy, anger, envy, resentment, hatred. I know, all the ugly words you don't want to hear in church. When we give him the space to move in our lives, he will. And although spending time in his presence is glorious, what we face afterwards and the realizations we will have won't always be. Just like that rich young man, right? The Bible says he went away sad, but it's necessary to experience freedom. How can we freely praise him when we're still holding on to things we've got to let go? How, church, how can we go to the next level? How? I don't think the Holy Spirit would have baptized me again if my heart was not open. We have to have open hearts. Don't come up here and say, God, do what you want in me, unless you're ready. Because he's going to show you some things you ain't going to like. And even as you continue walking, he's going to keep showing you. How many situations have I been in? I mean, my friend has been in. Right? I've been in some situations recently where Holy Spirit's like, for real? For real? For real? And I can't sleep. That's the transforming power my Jesus of the Holy Spirit he says okay if you want it I'll give it to you but like I said we have to be ready because it's not going to be pretty say this morning, Lord, you can have it all. (laughs) You can search every area of me and show me the things that are not pleasing to you. And I will let you do with it as you wish. I don't want to leave the same today. We want to give you everything even when it hurts. What possessions are you holding on to? What situations are you telling God that he can't have? God, you can have this, but don't touch that. I'll give you this, but don't make me give you that. He wants it all. Why don't you stand this morning? to give it all I invite you to come up here this morning and don't be afraid because he's not going to leave you stranded I know he wants to do something in this place this morning it's just all been lining up all the words even when pastor said what the word says I'm sorry, what the song said, that it starts here, and then it goes to the city. I had already thought that. And it ain't because we're twins. (laughs) 
That's the Holy Spirit. If you want to be changed and transformed, if you want to let him have it all, if you want to give him your ugly, if you want to have him search your heart and know you, I invite you to come to the altars this morning. They're open. I'm going to invite our prayer warriors to come up here. And you can pray with them if you'd like. Lord, we long to be like you. You laid down our very, your very life so we could live. And it hurt, but you did it anyway. We give you access to every part of our lives. We pray that you bring conviction, shine your light on every part of us. Cleanse us, burn us, refine us. Let our love be so great for you that not only we obey you, but we trust you with everything. Let us have an open heart and mind to be changed and transformed by you. We're not perfect, and we can't do it alone. We're not good, and we'll always be a work in progress until we are no more. But we don't want to use that as an excuse to give you less, but to give you everything. We lay ourselves down, and we pray that you show us where we are deficient, where we're lacking. We give you control and ask that we honor you with our lives. Let our words match our actions and give us strength to obey and follow you. Even when it's hard, even when it hurts, because we know that you're gonna be with us the entire way. Let your name be glorified through our lives. I'll leave you with this psalm. It says, Psalm 139, 23 through 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at MyNumaChurch. Thanks again and God bless.